0: Our topic for tonight, Revelations Millennium, when the devil goes on vacation.
1: How many of you here tonight love to take vacations? Let me see your hands. Well, of course, the more vacations, the better. But we might like to have vacation for a little while, but the Bible reveals to us a time when the devil will have vacation for 1,000 years. Nothing to do for 1,000 years. Let's go in our Bible to Revelation 20, 1 and 2. Did you do your homework tonight? Who did your homework for tonight? Revelation 20. Very good. Hey, students, Revelation 20, verses 1 and 2. We're going to read it here. We're going to read about the binding of the devil.
0: Revelation 20, 1 and 2 says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him, how long? A thousand years.
1: years. So, here we have a thousand years, and this thousand-year period is often called the millennium. Of course, millennium is not found in the Bible, but the concept is there. One thousand years. Millie is... Thousand in Latin, annium is years, 1,000 years. And we want to begin our study tonight with this question. When will the thousand-year vacation of the devil begin? We'll start to answer that by looking at a passage from Jesus in John
0: 5, 28 and 9, if you're taking notes. John 5, 28 and 29. Jesus here outlines two resurrections. John five twenty eight. marvel not at this, Jesus says, for the hour is coming, hasn't come yet, but it's coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Where are the dead then? In the graves. In the graves. And when they hear his voice, they shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. We see here two separate general resurrections, apparently the saved and the lost do not come up in the same resurrections. There's a resurrection for the righteous, resurrection of life, and then there's the resurrection for the unrighteous, resurrection of damnation. These are the general resurrections. We're not talking about any special resurrections here. These are the general resurrections, two separate resurrections. General resurrections. Well, that brings us to this question, son. When do these two resurrections take place and which one comes
1: first? Well, let's begin to answer that from Revelation 20, verse 6. Revelation 20, verse 6 tells us Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. Since there's a first resurrection, that implies there has to be a what? Gotta be a second. Has to be a second resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Where do they reign with him?
0: Well, we're gonna come back and answer that in just a moment. But please notice here the first resurrection is for who? The blessed. For the blessed, for the holy.
1: So this is the resurrection of life. This is for the righteous, the blessed, and the holy. If you die, this is the resurrection you want to come up in. No
0: wicked person comes up in that first resurrection. Here's another text that indicates this. Revelation 20, verse 4 says, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God. Now, these are not disembodied souls. These are actual people there in heaven. And which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived... In the original, that means they came to life, so they were resurrected. They lived and reigned with Christ a 1,000 years. Where do they reign? We'll answer that in just a moment. But please notice they lived, they came to life, they were resurrected, and then they reigned with Christ for a 1,000 years.
1: So evidently, the 1,000-year vacation begins with the resurrection of the righteous.
0: No wicked person has any part in that first resurrection.
1: All of the righteous that are in the graves are resurrected in that first resurrection. So what about the rest of the dead? What about the wicked? Let's read,
0: read on. Verse 5, Revelation 20, verse 5 says, but the rest of the dead. Who would that be? Since all the righteous came up in the first resurrection, who is the rest of the dead? That would have to be the unrighteous, the wicked. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished or until the end of the thousand years. And if you're following in your Bible, the last sentence in verse 5 actually belongs to verse 6. So here the Bible says the rest of the dead, that's the wicked... They didn't live again until the 1,000 years were finished. They will live again, but not until the end of the 1,000 years. Jesus called that resurrection the resurrection of resurrection of damnation.
1: So here we have two resurrections separated by 1,000 years. First resurrection is the resurrection of life. That's for the righteous. And then the second resurrection is the resurrection of damnation or condemnation. And that is for the wicked.
0: At the end of the 1,000 years. Let's review. Here's our proof text. Revelation 20, verse 6, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, they shall reign with him a thousand years and then verse 5 but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished two resurrections separated by a thousand year period
1: well that leads us to the question when does the first resurrection take place which would begin the 1000 year period Let's get
0: our answer from 1 Thessalonians 6, or 4, rather, verse 16. Put it in your notes. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. This is Christ coming back. With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall what? Rise. Shall rise first. There's another text showing that the dead in Christ come up in the first resurrection. That's the one for the blessed, for the holy. So this first resurrection takes place, resurrection of life, when Jesus comes back.
1: When the Lord returns, there are four groups of people. The first group of people are, number one, the righteous dead, number two, the righteous living, and number three, the wicked dead, number four, the wicked living. Every person who ever lived or died falls into one of these four groups. Righteous dead, righteous living, wicked dead, wicked living. What happens to each of these groups when Jesus returns? Let's start with that first one, the righteous dead. What happens to them when Jesus returns? Well, we already read the answer. They are resurrected, 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. They come forth from the grave with immortal bodies, not subject to disease or aches or pains. They may have gone into the grave looking like old people,
0: but when they're resurrected, they have immortality. They have immortal youth, glorified bodies. What about that next group, the righteous living? What happened to the righteous living when Jesus comes back? Let's read the next verse in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 17 says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. With who? With those that were resurrected. Caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Please notice. Those that were resurrected, those that are living, we all go to meet the Lord together. We go up to heaven together. The righteous who have died, they don't get to heaven before we that are living. We that are alive, we don't go to heaven before they, because the Bible says we go up how? Together. We go up together to meet the Lord in the air. And something else, we that are living, we too shall be changed. if you want the text. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-one to 55. So, we, we, we that are alive, when Christ comes back, we're going to be changed in an instant. Fast as you can blink your eye. We get immortality, immortal youth. We get new bodies. Would you like to have a new body? Some of you, if you're over 50, you'd like to have a new body. I got to 50 and passed, and I'm looking forward to a new body. When Christ comes back, we that are alive, we too shall be changed. All the righteous caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Well, son, after being caught up, raptured, that's what rapture means, caught up. After being caught up raptured to meet the Lord in the air, where then do the righteous
1: go? Well, let's read the answer from Jesus, John 14, verses 1 to 3. Jesus says in John 14, 1 to 3, Let not your heart be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. Where did Christ go? He went to heaven. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus says, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Where is Jesus right now? He's up in heaven. He's in heaven. And he says, when I come again, I will take you to be with me. He is in heaven. So now we can answer the question, where will the righteous reign during the thousand years? It will be in heaven. Now you know the answer. It
0: will be in heaven. This whole idea of the Lord reigning on earth for a thousand years is not biblical. Christ takes us up to those mansions he's prepared for us. That's where we will spend the thousand years. So we found out what happens to the righteous when Christ comes back. The righteous dead are resurrected.
1: And the righteous living are chained. All the righteous caught up to meet the Lord in the air, taken up to those mansions he's prepared. Let's go on now to the third group. We're dealing now with the wicked. What happens to the wicked dead when Jesus returns? Well, the answer is nothing. The Bible says the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. So nothing happens to the wicked dead when Jesus returns. They go right on, sleeping the sleep of death for another thousand years.
0: That leaves us with one more group, the wicked that are alive when Christ comes back. What happens to them? This is the most tragic picture, but the Bible gives it to us. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 9 says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, this is Jesus coming back, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished... With what?
1: With everlasting
0: destruction. From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. So when Christ comes back, the wicked that are alive, they're destroyed, the Bible says. Here's another text.
1: This text comes from 2 Thessalonians 2.8. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of His mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of His coming. So when Christ comes back, what happens to the wicked that are alive? They are destroyed by the brightness, by the glory of His appearing. Now,
0: we want to clarify, this is not hellfire. Hellfire takes place later, as we shall see tonight. But when Christ comes back, the wicked, they cannot endure the glory of His presence, and so they are slain by His glory, and their dead bodies are left scattered all over the world.
1: Well, that leaves us with the question, Father, is there any chance of being saved after Jesus returns? What's the answer? The answer is no. Who would be left to save?
0: All the righteous, where are they? Heaven. All went to heaven. The wicked, what's happened to them? Dead. They're all dead, so who would be left? This whole idea of a thousand years of peace on earth, when the wicked get a second chance to be saved, is a pleasing delusion of the devil. To lead people to put off their salvation and think, well, if I wait, you know, I still get a thousand years later. Paul says, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. If we wait till Jesus comes back, it's too late. We don't get a second chance after Christ comes back. Let's review what happens at the second coming. Christ returns. And
1: the righteous dead are resurrected.
0: The righteous living are changed.
1: Righteous are caught up to meet the Lord together and taken to heaven.
0: The wicked that are dead, they stay dead.
1: And the wicked living are destroyed. That
0: brings us to another question.
1: What is the condition of this earth during the 1,000 years?
0: Son, to answer that, we need to consider what happens to this earth when Jesus comes back. Let's review that. From Revelation chapter 16, verse 18, the Bible says, And there were voices, and thunders, and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. This is what happens when Christ comes back. What will that earthquake do?
1: Well, the Bible tells us, And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Every island. How many? All
0: 7,107.
1: Every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. But the righteous, what's happened to them?
0: They are going up to meet the Lord in the air, so don't worry. If you're here in the Philippines on the islands, let the islands sink. The righteous are going up to meet the Lord in the air. We can clearly see what happens to this earth when Christ comes back. That great earthquake will level every man-made structure. There will be nothing made by man left standing after that earthquake. An earthquake that flattens the mountains and sinks the islands.
1: Imagine the condition of the earth during the 1,000 years with an earthquake that's powerful enough to sink the islands and flatten the mountains. It will be one scene of desolation and ruin from... All from the entire earth. Jeremiah describes it in Jeremiah 25, verse 33. Let's read it. And the slain of the Lord shall be at that day from one end of the earth, even unto the other end of the earth. They shall not be lamented, neither gathered nor buried. They shall be dung upon the ground.
0: Why aren't they gathered? Why aren't they lamented? Why aren't they buried? Well, who would do it? All the righteous, where are they? Heaven. They went to heaven. The wicked? The wicked? They're all dead, so there's nobody left to lament over them, nobody left to bury them
1: or to cry over them. This earth... This whole earth will be one vast cemetery during the
0: thousand years. If you'd like a couple more texts that show us this, put these in your notes. Isaiah 24, verses 1, 3... And 19 through 22, describing this earth, the, Isaiah says, God empties the earth. Where's all the, where is everybody? The righteous? Heaven. Went to heaven. The wicked? All dead. And then you can read in verses 19 through 22 about this earth reeling to and fro like a drunk man. That's that great earthquake. And it says, the prisoners are gathered in the pit. And we read about the devil being bound in the pit. You begin to see where that is.
1: And then you can read in Jeremiah 4:23 to 27, another eyewitness account where the prophet says that the whole earth will be without light during the 1,000 years. Thousand-year blackout.
0: We know the devil, he doesn't mind working in the dark. He lives in the dark. He loves the dark. But no human's going to live here on planet Earth for 1,000 years, 1,000-year thousand blackout. We know this earth is going to be turned into a scene
1: of... Scene of ruin and desolation like Japan after the tsunami or like Tacloban City after the great typhoon. Well, that brings us
0: to this question. Where will the devil be during the thousand years? Well, where would you
1: put him if you had your choice? Put him right here in the mess that he's created. That's exactly what God does. Let's go read that from Revelation 21 to 3. Please notice that he's cast into the bottomless pit. What's that? Well, the bottomless pit comes from the Greek word abousos. It's describing a waste place, a broken down place,
0: a, a place of ruin. It's where we get our English word abyss from. Where in the universe will you find a waste place during the thousand years? here. Right here. That's why Jeremiah says in Jeremiah four twenty three, I beheld the, the what? The earth. The earth. And lo, it was waste and void in the heavens. They had no light. There's the blackout. And that word void in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, there you have the word abusos. This earth is the abusos or the bottomless pit. So the bottomless pit then refers to the earth in its desolate, broken-down, chaotic condition during the thousand years, thousand-year blackout. It's right here on the earth. But the Bible says the devil's bound with a great chain. What is that great chain, son?
1: Well, that is not a chain, a literal chain. Can you bind a spiritual being with a literal metal chain? No, of course not. Revelation is full of what? Symbols. Revelation is full of symbols. So this would have to be a chain of events that binds the devil. What are the events? All the righteous, where are they? In heaven. They're in heaven. All the wicked, where are they? Dead. Well, they're all dead. So the devil is bound because he has nothing to do, no work to do.
0: Sort of like if I wanted to help you do something, but circumstances are preventing me, I might say, I'd like to help you, but I'm sorry my hands are tied. That doesn't mean my hands are literally tied. It's a figure of speech.
1: The devil's hands are tied
0: for a thousand years because he's got nobody to work upon.
1: And no doubt he will be literally bound to this earth. He won't be allowed to travel off through the universe and... Annoy other beings. I heard of one church that says the devil is already bound. They said he was bound back in
0: 1914 or something like that. Well, I'll tell you, if the devil is already bound today and the world is this bad, we better hope he doesn't get loose. (laughs) No, the devil's not bound today. If he's bound, he's bound with a chain of rubber bands that stretch from here to Las Vegas and back. And even if you could buy, put the devil in a literal pit and bind him with a literal chain, would that stop him from working? No. He's got a billion demons working for him. The only way you could truly bind the devil is if you take everybody away from him so he has nobody to work on. And that's exactly what God does. For a thousand years, he has no one to tempt.
1: So Satan is bound in chains of darkness on a desolate earth for 1,000 years. What do you think that the devil will do for those thousand years?
0: That's going to be torture for the devil. He's been so busy tempting and destroying and killing and deceiving, and suddenly he's got nothing to do except argue with his demons. There's nobody left to tempt. Nobody left to kill. The wicked are all dead. Can you imagine how, what torture that will be for the devil to be bound with nothing to do for a thousand years except think and reflect back over his rebellion against God? Again and again, he's been forced to admit defeat. The devil is a true suicide warrior. And no doubt the devil, he's going to wander around in the darkness looking at the corpses of the lost Will he see you here? I hope not. I can imagine the devil as he's stumbling around the darkness of this earth. He comes upon a man he remembers well. This man had a Christian wife and I can imagine they had three little girls. Every week the wife would go to church, the little girls would go along, but the husband... He didn't have time for church, for religion. He had a business. He was busy. And I can imagine that often his wife would say, honey, why don't you join me in church? Why don't you give your life to Jesus? And maybe sometimes he heard his little girls praying for their daddy that someday he would be a Christian. And he thought, yeah, someday. Someday maybe I will. But he kept waiting. And then I can imagine one day the ground begins shaking beneath his feet, Jesus is coming back. The earthquake is happening, and he's not ready, and he's cut down with all the other wicked. And as the devil looks upon this man, I can see a hideous smile spread over the devil's face. He knows that never again will that man have a chance to be saved. Could that be you? Think about this. If... Right now, there is some step you know God wants you to take, but you're saying no, not now. Some bad habits you know God wants you to give up, but you don't want to give it up. You can know the devil's smiling at you because he knows so far his plan in your life is working. And if you died tonight... You would not be ready for that. That's why we urge people, don't put off your decision for Jesus. Surrender your life to Jesus and let Him control your life, because we want to be among the saved.
1: Well, during the millennium, the righteous are in heaven while the earth is desolate. Now, what happens at the end of the millennium? Well, we already found out one thing that happens. Revelation 25, but the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. So we know one thing that happens is that the resurrection of damnation would have to take place at the end of the thousand years. Revelation 20 verse 6 describes some people who experience the second death. Now before you can die a second death, you must first have a what? Second life. A second life. Blessed and holy is he that hath pardoned the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power. So some people are gonna die a second death,
0: but before they can die a second death, they have to be resurrected. That would be the second resurrection. Let's now read verse 7. Revelation 20, verse 7 says, And when the thousand years were expired, when they were finished, the Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Here's the question: what looses him? Well, what is it that bound him? What bound the devil? All the righteous? heaven. Heaven. The wicked all dead. What happens at the end of the thousand years that looses the
1: devil? Well, it is the resurrection of damnation. When the wicked are resurrected, now the devil has somebody to work upon. And he doesn't waste a moment. He gets right back to work. Revelation 20 verse 8, and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth. Deceive the nations? I thought they were already deceived. Well, the devil's not going to come with bats, wings and horns and a pitchfork and tail and a red suit saying, hello, I'm the devil, we're all lost. He's not going to come like that. He's probably going to appear as a glorious prince. Maybe he'll even claim the power to have resurrected them. And the Bible says he will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four quarters of the earth, north, south, east and west. Gog and Magog. Who's that? Gog and Magog. Well, those are symbolic terms for the Antichrist, those that have fought against God and against God's people. And he will gather them to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. Most of the world apparently will be lost, not because they could not be saved, but because they would not be saved on God's terms. Then reading verse 9, it says, and they, this is the lost, the wicked...
0: They went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed, that means they surrounded the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. What city is this? It's not an earthly city because all the earthly cities were destroyed by the earthquake back a thousand years earlier.
1: So what city is this? Well, this would have to be the holy city, New Jerusalem. Revelation 21.2, I, John, saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So we know now another thing that takes place at the end of the thousand years is that the holy city descends apparently on the Mount of Olives, Zechariah 14, 4, which becomes a great plain when Jesus' feet touch it and the holy city settles there.
0: That happens at the end of the thousand years. And then the wicked, they go up and they surround the city. They make preparations for battle. How long? Well, the Bible says the devil's loosed how long? For a little season. We don't know how long they're going to prepare for the battle, but it'll be long enough to make preparation. And then they will marshal up. They'll march up and surround the city. And they'll probably have some weapons more sophisticated than our painter has painted. I can imagine there'll be some terrible weapons there. It might even look like they will conquer the city, and and there'll be many warriors.
1: That's right. Some of the greatest warriors of all time.
0: Napoleon.
1: And Hitler. Stalin. And Alexander the Great. Genghis
0: Khan. Well, we don't know, of course, but we can assume many of them, they went down in death with the ambition to conquer. They're going to come up with that same ambition. And the devil, he marshals all the lost into his army to conquer this city, the holy city. And they go up and they surround the city. And the Bible tells us, fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. That's at the end of the thousand years.
1: At the end of the millennium, Satan attacks the city, number one. And number two, the earth is purified by hell fire. We talked about hellfire last night, and we saw that as there was a flood of water, and there was only one place of safety during that time, that was the ark, so at end time there will be a flood of fire, and there will only be one place of safety, and that is inside the holy city with Jesus. The saints inside the city won't even feel the heat. So the earth is flooded with fire.
0: And we found out, the Bible tells us, even the air is going to be on fire. The rocks, the elements will burn with fervent heat. This earth is going to be purified of every trace of sin and pollution. Can you imagine what that fire will be like? We studied that the other night. Malachi 4, verse 1, in review, it says, Behold, the day comes that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yes, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that comes shall burn them up. They're not going to live in hell for all eternity. They're going to be burned up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Who's the root of evil? Satan. The devil, and then, of course, the branches of the wicked.
1: And then verse 3 tells us, "And and ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. So what happens son? Well, the wicked are turned into ashes, and apparently the righteous are able to walk out on those ashes and watch God recreate the earth. After
0: hellfire goes out, the righteous will go out the gates of the holy city. They'll walk out on those ashes, and God is going to recreate. There will be a new heavens and a new earth. And we learned last night that even the devil is going to be cremated. We read that from Ezekiel 28, 18, and 19. God will cremate the devil. And then the Bible says, never shalt thou be any more. Let's read verse 10 now.
1: And then we saw verse 10, and the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they shall be tormented day and night. How long? Forever and Forever ever, and it and says. Ever. How long is that? That's until life ends. The wicked do not have eternal life. How long was Jonah in the whale's belly? Three days and three nights. He said forever. So we
0: know that forever is not mean that they will never die. The wicked have not been promised eternal life. As long as there's any life left, they're going to feel the effects of hellfire. They will be rewarded, each one according to their work. Some will be burned up in a moment. Those that aren't very evil, who will burn the longest? The devil. The devil. But we know that hellfire will eventually go out because God's going to make a new heavens and a new earth. Let's now review the great white throne judgment, which you read about from Revelation 20, verses 11 to 15. We are backing up a little bit in the story here. Before hellfire, before the fire falls from heaven, we have this great white throne judgment. And many times when you read Revelation, you find that John will back up and he'll clarify something in the events, the order of events that transpire. And so here John is backing up a little bit, and he's clarifying what happens
1: before hellfire. Let's read it here. Let's read about it from Revelation twenty eleven, where it says, John says, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them.
0: Verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. This would be the wicked dead. They've been resurrected now. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And I can imagine when those books are opened, the wicked are immediately remember all their evil deeds.
1: They will be saved by grace, but they will be
0: judged by their Works. That's the righteous saved by grace. The wicked are not saved. Hey, yes, they'll be judged by their works. And so all those evil deeds are going to come back to their memory. They're going to admit we're getting what we deserved. Verse 13. Let's
1: read on now. Verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell, that's death in the grave, delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works.
0: Verses 14 and 15, and death and hell, the margin says grave, death and the grave, were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So what happens in this great white throne judgment?
1: Everyone recognizes why they are lost. That's right. And the Bible says in these verses, Isaiah 45, 23, Romans 14, 11, Philippians 2, 10, that the wicked are all going to bow the knee before God and confess that their sentence for eternal destruction is just and fair.
0: Their lives don't change, their hearts don't change, but they will admit that they are getting what they deserve. Even the lost are going to admit that God is just and fair in all of his dealings. And then, according to Isaiah 9, verse 5, it indicates the wicked now, instead of attacking the holy city, they attack one another, and there'll be blood flowing, no doubt, outside that city. Then the fire falls out of heaven.
1: And then after Revelation 20, the very next verse says... Revelation 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. What happened to the first heaven and the first earth? Burned up. They were burned up. They were destroyed. So John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And then Revelation
0: 21, verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes... No doubt the righteous inside the holy city, they'll look out of the city. They might recognize some friend or some family member outside in the fire. And there will no doubt be tears. But after hell goes out, then the Bible says God is going to wipe away our tears. Probably wipe away the painful memory. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be
1: any more pain, for the former things are passed away." We know tonight, based on the signs that are all around us, that Jesus' coming is very, very soon, right around the corner. Soon, every case will be decided, either for eternal life or eternal destruction. Did you know that someday the saved and the
0: lost will all meet one final time? There around that city, the righteous inside, the wicked outside, you will be there, either inside with the saved or outside with the lost. You'll be there. We'll all be there. The Bible tells us in Revelation 21 verse 11, but the wall of the New Jerusalem is as a jasper stone, clear as crystal.
1: In other words, the walls of the New Jerusalem are like transparent glass. You can see right through those walls. Imagine what that will be like for the wicked as they march up across the surface of the earth. They come up to the holy city, and they look through those transparent walls, and they see what they have thrown away, what they have exchanged for the pleasures of sin. That will be torture for the wicked.
0: I can imagine that man, remember we were describing, he comes up in the second resurrection, the wrong resurrection. And he looks around for his wife and his daughters. He can't see, can't find them. And soon he's caught up with all the other wicked in the preparations for the battle. And the day finally arrives when they march up to the city and as he walks up to that transparent glassy wall i can see him as he's looking inside the beauty of the new jerusalem in contrast with the desolation outside what a scene he i can imagine he sees there the landscaping designed by god himself the beautiful mansions prepared for the saved he sees the golden streets And perhaps in the distance he can see the tree of life arching over with its life-giving fruit. He sees the river of life winding down through the city. And maybe off in the distance he can see the very throne of God, the outshining of the throne of God. And as he looks in, he thinks to himself, what a fool I have been. What a fool I was that I didn't give my life to Jesus and make my decision to be among the saved. And I can imagine... Perhaps, as he's looking inside the beauty of the new Jerusalem, perhaps, perhaps he sees some familiar forms. Maybe he recognizes his wife and his daughters inside the city and the memories they come back to him. He remembers how his wife begged him to give his heart to Jesus. He remembers the prayers of his little girls for their daddy. And those prayers come burning back in his memory. And I can see that man calling out to his wife, honey, honey, I'm out here, honey. Ask Jesus to give me a second chance. But his voice just bounces back off the wall. And I can see that man fall in an agony of remorse outside the city, pleading for another chance to be saved that he'll never have.
1: Jesus said there will be weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth as the wicked realize what they have lost.
0: You will be there, either inside with the saved or outside. I want you to come with me in your imagination for a moment tonight to that scene because you will be there. And I want you for just a moment to imagine yourself standing outside the city with the the lost, And ask yourself, why? Why am I out here? Is there some step you know God wants you to take, but you're putting it off? Some decision you know God wants you to make, but you're not ready to make it? Or maybe some commandment you know God wants you to keep, but you don't want to keep it? Sometimes people say, are you talking about that fourth commandment, the Sabbath? (laughs) Well, that's the one that... The Christian world is thrown away. I've had people say, Oh, you're always talking about the Sabbath. Well, if the Christian world had set aside the seventh commandment, I would talk a lot about that one. But most every Christian thinks you ought to keep nine commandments, but there are ten. And people say, But if I kept the Sabbath, my family would think I'd join some sect, uh, they'd, they'd think I'd lost my mind. Well, you can know this if you choose to follow God's word, to obey God. Somebody is going to think you're a little bit crazy. There's going to be some family, some friend that thinks you're strange. Somebody's going to scoff at you. But what good will your family do you if you're outside the city? There will be people outside the city blaming one another. I wanted to obey God. You told me I didn't need to. I'm lost and it's your fault. People will be blaming one another outside the city.
1: They'll even be blaming their ministers. Jeremiah 25, verse 34. Will there be pastors outside the city?
0: Oh, yes. There will be no doubt thousands, millions of people that are going to turn in anger on their pastors and say, you deceived me. You told me it didn't matter what day I kept holy. I'm lost and it's your fault. There are people that say, but preachers, if I kept the Sabbath, uh, I might lose my job and I got to pay my bills. If you had all the wealth of the world piled up in a mountain of gold outside the city, what good would it do you? What's Jesus say? What will a man, what will it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul?
1: Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul?
0: You will be there either inside the city with the saved or outside with the lost. I want to be inside, don't
1: you? This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.